This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. All right, Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Um, Things that I like, bacon very high on the list, and uh, also, once in a while, I do enjoy a glass of bourbon. We're joined now by an expert in both of those wonderful things, Morgan Murphy is on the line. He's the author of the book, Southern Living, Bourbon and Bacon, The Ultimate Guide to the South's Favorite Foods. Morgan also serves as a commander in U.S. Navy Reserves and is a veteran of the war in Afghanistan, where he was awarded the Meritorious Defense Service Medal and the Afghan Campaign Medal. So, Morgan, thank you for your service, sir, and thank you for your call. Good to talk to you. Hey, great to talk to you, Buck. All right. I just... I want to hand you the floor. Your man is going to talk to us about bourbon and bacon. You wrote a book on this. Tell us about what you found and how you found it. Well, those are two of my favorite food groups. My four southern food groups are bourbon, bacon, salt, and pie. So I've got half of them. uh, I call it the food trapezoid. uh, Half of them covered here in this book. So I spent uh, about a year going to uh, distilleries all over uh, the United States because bourbon does not have to be made in Kentucky, as a lot of people think. It can be made anywhere in America. But Uh, it is named for Bourbon County, Kentucky, right? Correct. It's named for Bourbon County, Kentucky, but Bourbon County actually used to be in Virginia. So this confuses a lot of people and used to be really big. It used to be about the size of the state of Kentucky. Uh, and now there's it, it's shrunken, and there's actually no bourbon made in Bourbon County anymore. Um, Whoa. But, yeah. So, but it's named for Bourbon County, Kentucky, and uh, all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. So there's Scotch whiskey and Irish whiskey, Canadian whiskey, you know, and then, of course, the greatest whiskey in the world, bourbon whiskey. And what makes bourbon bourbon is it has to be made here in the United States. It has to be at least uh, 51% corn. That is the mash bill. The grains that go into bourbon have to be mostly corn. Uh, And it has to be aged in a brand-new oak barrel. It can't reuse the barrels. So that's what gives bourbon. Bourbon is like white like or clear like any other um, uh, clear alcohol when it comes right off the still. But what gives it that rich amber-brown color is the barrel. Uh, And, of course, Southern sunshine. So I like to call bourbon Southern sunshine in a glass. That's what makes it so rich. That's what makes it such a great uh, American product. It's all natural. You can't add anything to bourbon and still call it. You can't filter it. You you can't do anything to bourbon. It has to be an all natural product, and it's really cool. And then I spent the next. Is there, is there some regional differentiation, by the way, with the way the bourbon tastes or how it's made? I mean, I know if we had a 
an expert in barbecue, and I bet if you're not officially an expert in barbecue, given your love for bacon, you probably are a man who enjoys some barbecue. Uh, but there's clearly differences in uh, Southern versus Texas versus other kinds of barbecue, uh, different kinds of bourbon. Give me the give me the rundown on that. Uh, well, the differences in bourbon are profound from distillery to distillery. So I love to make fun of vodka. I apologize to your vodka drinkers out there, but. Uh, vodka is distilled to a point where it is 98.5% ethanol, basically 98.5% alcohol. And if you drank that, it would dissolve your esophagus. So what they do to vodka then is they water it down, uh, back down to a potable level. And when you do that, you know, people talk about, oh, the difference between Smirnoff and Absolute, and I can't stand drinking Tito's versus what – they're talking about the difference in the water, really. Uh, because ethanol is ethanol. But with bourbon, bourbon is not distilled up to that level. Uh, it's not distilled up to that level of, uh, of uh, ethanol. It's, it can only go up to about 75 proof, um, or sorry, 150 proof or 75% alcohol and be still called bourbon. And so what that leaves is vodka is odorless, colorless, tasteless, but bourbon has, you can still taste the grain. So if you make a bourbon with more rye than, say, corn, you know, just like you can taste a piece of rye bread versus a piece of wheat bread, you can taste that difference in, uh, in different bourbons. Some are sweeter. Some have been aged in the barrel longer. Some are darker colors. And, you know, vodka is pretty much clear and tasteless and odorless um, across the range. Um, but bourbon is really different from manufacturer to manufacturer, and that's what makes it. If you're a foodie, that's what makes bourbon so fun to drink. I don't know if you're familiar with Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation, but he says that uh, vodka is for rich women on diets. So, you know, you've got you've got people out there that are already already blazing the trail uh, going against the vodka. Don't worry about that. I want to talk a bit about uh, and bacon. I eat bacon at least five days a week. I can honestly say that I'm a thick cut bacon guy. I go to a, a, a particular place here in New York City where they, they slice it for me on request. I mean, I take my bacon pretty seriously. But I can't pretend to know much about it other than that I love it. Tell me what you learned about t- – tell me about bacon. The bacon is the candy of the, you know, the food world. It is, uh, it is awesome. And when I, I traveled around to, to bacon uh, – to pig farms, basically, for the next six months, which did not smell as good as the distilleries, I can tell you. But when you talk to people who are passionate about pigs and pig farms, you, it, it's incredible. And it was an incredible journey. And what I learned about bacon um, was also equally astounding because bacon really um, – there's a huge difference between what you're talking about, going to a specialty purveyor and having them slice the bacon for you, and, and going to the grocery store and picking up bacon. The first – it's really the difference between dry-aged and wet-aged bacon. Uh, it's like a dry-aged steak uh, and the taste difference there. So when you take supermarket bacon and you throw it in a frying pan, and by God, bacon should be fried, not uh, nuked. Don't do that to your bacon. Uh, so you fry up some bacon, and if you've got supermarket bacon, it shrinks. It shrinks by as much as 50%. And we don't like shrinkage because uh, that's what's happening there is it's just evaporating out the water, right? But dry-aged bacon has already lost its water. And so when you buy pound-for-pound dry-aged bacon versus supermarket bacon, it may seem more expensive, but what you're actually buying when you buy supermarket bacon is a lot of water. Um, 
But the flavor profile of dry-aged bacon is incredible. And, of course, bacon has a huge, long history in America. In fact, Uncle Sam was named for a, a bacon manufacturer named Uncle Sam Wilson, who made uh, he was a pork producer during the War of 1812. Uh, there in New York, Wall Street is named Wall Street because they built the wall to keep the pigs out. There were wild pigs running around South Manhattan. I'd say, given Wall Street today, that that effort was probably unsuccessful. But uh, bacon has a long, long history uh, in the U.S., and our bacon is the best bacon in the world. You go to you go to England and you order bacon. What they'll give you is something called uh, back bacon. Um, our bacon comes off the belly of the pig, so it's fattier, and fat equals flavor. You go to Canadian bacon. Uh, that's not bacon. That's ham. Uh, I feel like there's no greater representation of American superiority over our brothers and sisters to the north than the difference in our bacon. Their bacon is just, it's just B-team. It's just, they call our our bacon streaky bacon. Uh, I just call it delicious. But our bacon, our bacon is awesome. And when you add those two, these bourbon and bacon are not mild flavors, right? They don't go meekly across the palate. They boldly walk in like an American in, in Paris, right? You know when we're there. And so when you add these two uh, recipes, they really make a huge difference. And you can be the world's worst cook. But if you throw some bourbon and bacon in there, man, you're going to be a success. All right, so give me oh, just everybody. I, I know you're going to ask me this on Twitter and Facebook anyway, so I want to repeat it. We're speaking to Morgan Murphy here. He's the author of the book Southern Living, Bourbon, and Bacon: The Ultimate Guide to the South's Favorite Foods, and also uh, really for some of us, I'm sure, just kind of a lifestyle. Bourbon and bacon. Um, I want to. What is the best dish that comes to mind for for somebody who's not a not a, a highly skilled chef that brings both bourbon and bacon to the table? Well, if you can if you can read, you can you can uh, make the recipes in my book. I go through them step by step. About a third of them I I did myself, uh, and then I called a bunch of friends who are chefs across America and asked for their best their best recipes. So one of my favorites, I don't know. I hear after the holidays everybody's on a diet, and I can tell you that my books are not known to be diet books. If I mean, you'll, you'll probably gain 30 pounds just leafing through bourbon and bacon. But if you're on a diet, and uh, maybe you're on the Atkins diet, like a bacon-wrapped uh, beef tenderloin, that's a really easy recipe to to whip up. Or uh, I've got a bacon-wrapped, bacon-covered roasted turkey. Uh, so if you want to make turkey, turkey's usually a dry old bird, but if you want to make it flavorful, adding bacon is an awesome way to do that. Um, I do a lot of a lot of beef dishes like that with bacon in it. Also, uh, pork with apples, bacon, and sauerkraut. Delicious this time of year, and actually pretty healthy for you. Uh, if you want to go not so healthy, um, some of the desserts in here like uh, bourbon and bacon maple cupcakes. Um, it sounds crazy, but they're the best cupcake you will. If ever by crazy have. you mean amazing, Morgan. Amazing. That's what, it, that's what I mean. And, you know, I always say bacon is for all three uh, three meals of the day. So uh, we can't leave out breakfast. I put in some bacon and bourbon waffles. So if you like waffles and you want to blow the socks off of uh, your girlfriend, boyfriend or something one morning, uh, bacon and bourbon waffles are the way to do it. Can I ask you for, for the uninitiated in the ways of, of bourbon? And with, and with bacon, by the way, I will say if any, if any of you have access to a butcher – 
or or just a you'll know. I mean, if if they can slice the bacon for you, the difference between that and what you'll get in a little plastic packet in the grocery store is so is substantial. And I, I've been on both sides of this equation. And I can tell you, if you really love bacon, go for the good stuff if you can. It's a little more expensive, but it's it's worthwhile. But I don't know much about bourbon at all. I'm actually, I'll admit this to you, Morgan. I'm mostly a tequila drinker and a wine drinker. Uh, yeah. But on the on the bourbon side of things, if somebody wanted to sort of start to experiment, they want to get their feet wet with bourbon. What are some good start? What are some good starter options? Well, I love and and people laugh when I say this, but one of my favorite uh, bourbons is one called Old Forester. Now, bourbons seem to fall into some category. There's Old Scout and Old Granddad, so they're either like they're the olds or you know they're the they have military titles like Colonel Blanton's and Colonel Newt's and all those. So Old Forester is a very old brand. They were the first uh, manufacturer to put actually bourbon in bottles. Before that, you went down to your local bar and you took your own jug or whatever, and they filled it up. But Old Forester is cheap. I mean, you could run your car on it. It's uh, it's like 20 bucks a, a gallon practically, but it is one of the best bourbons out there. It's deep it's rich it's smoky it's it's pretty sweet so for new new bourbon drinkers you won't have to invest a lot of money to try it um and it's one of the oldest bourbon brands in existence it's a great it's a great bourbon made by um brown foreman and they they make much more expensive bourbons but but old forester is one of the best so i say to new bourbon drinkers give that one a shot uh if you've got some uh some cash to spend and you want to maybe go with a more expensive bourbon uh, and your local liquor store has it because people make a run on it. But I mentioned Colonel Blanton's earlier. That bourbon bottle um, is instantly recognizable to most people because it's the most uh, used bourbon in any movies or photographs. It's a beautiful bottle. It looks like, um, I guess it looks like a small hand grenade actually, but it's a, it's a kind of octagonal bottle, but it's got a horse on the top. And if you're a real drinker, you collect all eight horses that they, they put out every year. But it's a very rich bourbon, too, and it's a, an excellent, easy-sipping bourbon. It's not one I'd put in a cocktail because it's so expensive, uh, but it is one that you might want to sip, sip neat. People always ask me, how do you drink bourbon, right? Do you, do you have to drink it neat? Um, and I, I tell them, you know, drink it however you like. But I recommend uh, a big ice cube uh, and a little water because water will open it up and take down the proof and allow you to taste those grains we were talking about earlier a little easier. Morgan Murphy is the author of the book Southern Living Bourbon and Bacon, The Ultimate Guide to the South's Favorite Foods, available on Amazon.com. You can also go to uh, Morgan's site, Morgan Murphy. Dot com uh, and uh, also Morgan is a veteran and currently in the uh, Navy Reserves. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Come back anytime. Hey, you bet. It's great being with you. That's Morgan Murphy. Actually, uh, oh, sorry, Morgan Murphy. Co. Everybody, nope. Morgan. Thanks again, uh, team. We'll be back right after the break. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Team, we got a bunch of calls up. We can take some more. 888-900-3393. Mike in New York, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. Hey, Buck. It's Matt, actually. Oh, Matt. Sorry, I had the wrong uh, wrong name here on the screen. Pardon me. You were saying, Matt. Uh, you know what? They, I've been, they've been doing that to me my whole life. I don't know. When they hear Matt, they think Mike. Just, oh, everyone always thinks my yeah. name is Bob, so I hear you. I'm always like, my name is Buck. And then person goes, okay, Bob. So I, I know. The, you know, the, 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 the struggles we have, my friend. So what's on your mind? Uh, just two questions about the uh, Russian hack. Yep. The first one is, how come they don't refer to it as the alleged Russian hack since nothing has really been proved yet? At least well, after the today, they would say that the, the intelligence community has showed proof to Donald Trump. Trump is saying, um, and just also to be clear, well, alleged is usually alleged used. Before? Yeah, well, but alleged is, is used as a, as a modifying uh, modifying term so that it's clear that an individual is not yet proven guilty, right? So that's that's usually when people start throwing alleged in there, um, and it's it's really also for legal reasons. You, know, you you can't say necessarily the you know you, you don't want to say the 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 murderer you know John Doe. You want to say the alleged murderer until they're either proven guilty or not, right? So that's where alleged comes in. But go ahead. Okay, and and the second thing is how can they subscribe? subscribe motive to the russian hack to be to interfere with the election how do they know what the motive was well if you believe this washington post report and i should point out that the washington post has had two major stories completely undermined by its own admission in the last oh five six weeks one of them was about fake news and the impact of fake news on the election that was based on an anonymous research outfit that has since been completely discredited. So there are numbers about the impact and how many people saw fake news. That was all all bogus. Uh, They didn't retract the story. They did a correction. But when you correct the underlying premise of the entire story, it's a de facto retraction. Same thing, by the way, with the hack of the electrical grid through a utility in Vermont. They initially said that that looked like it was Russian hackers, and we've since found out that that's nonsense, too. Okay. Um, I just managed to lose my train of thought, though. What were you saying a second ago? No, I said, you know, there's subscribing motive without... Oh, motive. I'm sorry. Yes, the Washington Post report. Thank you, uh, Matt. Sorry about that. Washington Post is saying that there are uh, intercepts, which would be signals intelligence, I would assume, uh, intercepts out there of Russian, senior Russian figures, figures, perhaps top Kremlin figures, you would think, possibly... Uh, saying that not only were they excited Trump won, but looks like they had a hand in helping him win. But again, that's the Washington Post. It's based on leaked reporting, and it's unverified. That is not verified by the intelligence community. But it does prove another point, 
and that is that the Intel community, there are people in the Intel community who are actively trying to undermine uh, undermine the Trump presidency because they couldn't just release the actual official report. They had to also leak some additional damning information while the report is out there to add a, a negative, a sort of a, a negative framework, a negative tint to all of this. Uh, but, Matt, that's what I got for you on all that. Thank you for calling in from New York. Please call back again anytime. Shields high. Uh, we got some space in the lines. We got some other calls up. 888-900-3393. By the way, it is Friday, which means it's action movie quote Friday. So if anyone want to bring it, unless it's already been brought, you should uh, sh- let's show me what you got. But the one proviso here, it has to actually be an action movie, okay? If you call in with the Gone with the Wind quote, I'm sure there are some scenes that get your heart pounding in that movie, but it is not an action movie. So we're looking for, you know, raw, uh, generally steroid-enhanced lead actors uh, with uh, huge machine guns firing improbably against impossible odds. More coming up. Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team Buck, welcome back into the Freedom Hut. We're joined by Brooke Rogers. She's a contributor to Heat Street and our unofficial millennial expert. What's up, Brooke? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Happy New Year. Haven't had a chance to speak to you yet in 2017. Are, are you ready yeah, for the Trump apocalypse? Oh, you know, I mean, I have canned food stocked. I'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be great. She, she jokes, everyone, and yet we have a survivalist expert joining us in the next hour, <laughs> Brooke. So let's get oh. into uh, let's get into some of the things. Oh yeah, no, we just figured it'd be kind of fun. I want to ask him about uh, you know what what happens next time I get lost in the woods. Stuff. So let's let's get into some pieces here. Uh, first of all, Washington Post, which has had a rough time. I mentioned two of their major corrections slash retractions over the last month or so. Um, they had a little problem about their anti-Trump Women's March coverage. What happened? <laughs> um, they used the uh, male sign instead of the fe- you know the symbol for uh, male instead of the symbol for female on the cover <laughs> for uh, the Women's March, which is pretty. I mean, it's not it's not so much like offensive in any way. Of course, it's just hilarious. I think some people are offended by it because. Uh, I don't know. The, the men get everything group was a little bit offended by it. There was some uh, some backlash on Twitter, but they fixed it. They you know they redesigned it to to symbolize the women's one, and um, it, it it all turned out fun. I think I think they were able to kind of regroup pretty quickly, but it was pretty funny for them to have the and it was up for a long time. 
and how do you make that mistake? <laughs> just like, I don't understand who just forgot to Google what the female sign was and find it. But uh, yeah, it was there was a little bit of backlash on Twitter. They they fixed it. They apologized, which is a little bit ridiculous. But and then put up the put up the females one. But the I, I'm yeah, going to get a little great. I want to get a little graybeard millennial millennial here for a second. Although I don't know if I think I technically okay. may have just been aged out of the millennial cohort, which makes me sad. Uh, <laughs> but. You have the symbols for male and female, in case everyone didn't know this. The male symbol, which is this sort of circle with the arrow pointing off of it, is the symbol for Mars. And the female, which is a circle with what looks sort of like a cross at the bottom of it, is the symbol for Venus. And these were first used to uh, break down male and female, uh, the male and female sexes, by uh, Carl Linnaeus in 1751. He was a Swedish botanist, physician, and zoologist. He is also the guy responsible for naming organisms through binomial nomenclature. Boom, boom, shake, shake the room, everybody. What do you think about that, <laughs> Ms. Rogers? That's great. I mean, it's it's nice that we're still using them and they're still around, considering all the uh, the non the confusion and nonsense about gender recently. I mean, I can't believe. Honestly, I'm surprised there wasn't backlash for them using it at all, um, because you know, as we know, it's not just a I, women's I march; he, it's a march for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Do they have? And I ask this in all seriousness because sometimes I I, I try to be uh, I'm trying to make sort of a joke, and then I find out, oh no, that's a real thing. Um, is there is there a like a, a gender neutral symbol too? I've seen one where they just overlap the one with the cross on the bottom, the one for Venus and the one uh, for Mars on top of each other. So it's just one circle with like the two things sticking out. Um, but at that point, why even use it? Like, what what's the point of it? I mean, you can. Whoa. It's just a little weird. I yeah. just checked this out on the on the inter, on the interwebs. And uh, there is a sign for being transgender is the Mars sign, but with a line through the sort of arrow off the circle. Uh, I did not know that. I, I just learned this. And there's even a uh, hermaphrod. They have a hermaphrodite version of this, which has both the cross and the arrow off the circle. So, yeah, I just you know by, there we go. Learning something Just new all the time. Lay it down, Ms. Rogers. Lay it <laughs> yeah. down. All right. There's so too, uh, there's speaking too much going on. I know we're we're dropping so much knowledge here. It's 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 crazy <laughs> town. Uh, the Women's March on Washington is becoming a joke, writes the New York Post. I don't even know this was a thing. What's happening? Well, the women's the women's march was kind of put together hastily um, after you know. As, as a response to Trump winning the election, I think at some point it was supposed to be like they were going to block the roads going into D.C. and like stop the inauguration somehow. Or like it was like this big I mean, it, it was just kind of uh, an emotional response to this. It wasn't really well thought out. Um, and then, of course, as soon as they create this idea that the Women's March is going to happen and they get kind of they get the idea of what they want to do. It just starts to break down because, as identity, as identity politics always does, it starts causing these rifts within uh, the community of people who – it was just supposed to be like – originally it was called um, the Million Women, Women March, and uh, then they got backlash because it sounded like a cultural appropriation of something that um, African-American women did – in 1997 so they were just using the same name million women march in dc and it was like no you can't use that because that was you're appropriating 
the struggle of like the black, you know, so it's like is that that thing happened and then they changed it to just the women's march and then people got angry because they said that they were appropriating the idea from uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And so it was just it, it, they can't win. And I think at this point it's becoming it's becoming less about you know their opposition to Donald Trump and more about these feuds that go on within that community uh, of people within this like big you know social justice warrior community about like what are we actually saying what are we what are we you know who's at the forefront of this it was you know three fem- feminists put it together and now as it always does it's just falling apart um i it, i think it's still planning they're still planning on doing it but at this point who knows because we've still got a couple of weeks before the inauguration and anything could happen before then Tell me about this piece on Red Alert Politics. No men allowed. Feminists push for female-only workspaces. Oh, my. I feel like there'll be a lot of incense and candle burning in these spaces. But perhaps that's a microaggression. You're close. You're close. But actually, they have on-demand blowouts, a lactation room, and beauty products all over the the place. So you're close. Wait, are you for realsies or are you joking? have blowouts. No, no, no. I'm for real. I'm for real. This, that membership is almost two grand a year, and women basically it, it's like a it's like a WeWorks thing, but they're calling it SheWorks, um, and they they rent these large uh, large rooms that are, you know workspaces, and it's women only. My favorite part about this is that the only male who comes in is the their uh, AV guy, which is hilarious to me. I'm like you, so you couldn't find an AV girl. Like that's where you draw the line is you're like, no, that one guy can come in because no one knows AV. <laughs> but they have this, they have these huge rented out spaces. They have all of these, uh, it sounds more like a salon than a workspace. Cause again, they have like, they have hairdressers on, on demand. And uh, you just, I, I, I guess it's just that they don't want to work around men, which, you know, they call this a feminist thing, but it's not, it's, the whole point of feminism is equality, and that's not equality. That is self-imposed segregation. They're saying not we cannot work around men. We can't even be around men. So we're going to move to co-working spaces where we do not allow men. And, you know, we live in a capitalist society. If they want to do that, if there's demand for that, they're certainly welcome. But I don't think they can call it feminist if they're creating these spaces that are man-free as, you know, quote-unquote man-free, just because they, they, they want a safe space. The whole point of the feminist movement is proving that we, we have what it takes. We can make it in whatever, you know, we're strong women. And then they're saying, no, actually, we need to remove ourselves from any tough situations, from any situations where we feel uncomfortable. And that includes any situation where a man is involved. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very weird uh, reaction to the safe space ideology that's coming out of. And, you know, the thing is that it comes from colleges. These kids are graduating and they're ending up in these uh, in the in the work world. And they're just creating safe spaces outside of outside of grad school and college. Uh, so I see on page six here of the New York Post that, uh, and I may be breaking this news to you, but I want to get your reaction, Brooke. Chris Brown uh, is going to fight Soldier Boy in the ring. Floyd Mayweather is going to help promote this. Apparently a Twitter social media war between Brown and, well, between Mr. <laughs> Brown and... I don't know, whatever. Mr. Oh Chris Brown God. and Mr. Soldier Boy, I don't know his real name, um, uh, is going to be settled. They're going to fight it out for three rounds. It's going to be a pay-per-view. By the way, I think that this could set a precedent because I see all these Twitter feuds between media personalities and the news side of things. And, man, I mean, could you imagine, like, some of the some of the Fox <laughs> peeps throwing down with MSNBC? I'd pay to see it. 
Oh my, yes. I think this could be, yeah, I will watch this on HBO. I would rent this. I would rather rent this than the Rousey fight. That only lasted 42 seconds. This is going to go on, off on, you know, it's going to go offline. It's going to go online. It's going to be great. I love it. I, I think it's actually kind of amazing because, first of all, you, you're taking your Twitter fight offline. And that's like basically saying, let's take us outside, which I love. I love that chutzpah. That's great. I, I completely approve of that. Um, also, I didn't even know Soldier Boy was still around. I haven't heard about him since like 2008. So uh, good for him. I'm glad that he's still, you know, literally throwing punches and out there. Um, but also, I think that when it comes down to it, this is just going to be like a mediocre, probably not long lasting fight. N- neither of their managers are going to let them get super beat up because they have to like go tour and yeah, record and. You know, I mean, I, but it's, I think it's a, it's a great idea. I think it's uh, something that we should. <laughs> it's, it's a danger. Wow. Of a I might, fight. I might have to put some of those, some of those uh, beta males at uh, at Salon and the Young Turks and these other places on notice. You bring it to, you bring it to the blaze. You better bring the heat, son. All right, Brooke Rogers, <laughs> contributor. Speaking of heat, contributor to Heat Street. You can follow her at BKE Rogers on Twitter. Brooke, thanks so much for joining. Great to have you. Have a good weekend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me as well. Team, we'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Discover more at theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio Network. Sexton. Chill. Uh, team, there is a uh, there are some breaking news reports right now about a shooting at Fort Lauderdale Airport, uh, and it turns out that uh, Ari Fleischer, former Bush administration uh, spokesperson, was there. He tweeted out. Uh, let me actually, I'll pull up right now. Ari's. Uh, he tweeted out that. What did he say here? Um, I'm at Fort Lauderdale Airport. Shots have been fired. Everyone is running. He says the police said there's one shooter. There are five victims, and all seems calm now. This is just in the last hour, but the police aren't letting anyone out of the airport, at least not where I am. Um, so police seem to have have captured the shooter. There are numerous wounded, and this is at Fort Lauderdale Airport. Uh, as I get more information on this, I'll share it with you, but I do see that breaking news. Um, Okay, uh, let's get into some calls here. We've got more to take. Uh, Stacy in Oklahoma, you're on the Buck Saxon Show. Welcome. Hi, Buck. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Hey, I had a question for you. Um, there seems to be a lot of focus on Russian aggression in the news. You can't turn on anything anymore without hearing Russia the first two minutes. And I was wondering, in your experience, why there is so much focus on Russian aggression when we seem to have this love fest for Saudi Arabia, when we have actual intel telling us that Saudi Arabia has attacked us or funded attacks on U.S. soil. Could you explain that? Because I just don't understand it. Well, it's, it's, you're asking a couple of questions that are, that are big questions, so I'll, I'll try to get, get into as much of it as I can. First on, on why we're I mean the the focus on Russia is is pretty clear. The focus on Russia is because um, it's a means of 
undermining the Trump uh, presidential victory and hobbling his administration from the start. So that's what that comes from. Um, I think that's I think that's pretty uh, that's pretty straightforward. If Hillary Clinton had won the election, uh, I am very confident we would not have heard very much at all about the hacking. Okay, so we start with that. Uh, As to Saudi Arabia, that's uh, there's some layers of of complexity that to be for the sake of accuracy, we have to get into Uh, the, the Saudi state as a as a uh, as a whole has not funded an attack or rather has not you know planned an executed attack against the United States uh, some people with connections in the Saudi government and even to the royal family have certainly funded terrorism and Wahhabism uh, around the world and have very direct ties to radical Islam are radicalized themselves perhaps not uh, openly um, but the, I, I assume you're referring mostly to the lost pages in the 9-11 report, right? That's, or, or, or is there something else about Saudi Arabia that has well, gotten your attention? It, it's the lost pages, and also it's the female that came from Saudi Arabia for San Bernardino attacks. It's, there, there's certain things that have occurred that I would think as a citizen would make us a little more suspect about who and what is coming out of that state into our country, yet we seem to just have this odd relationship with them where we probably shouldn't be in bed with them, but we are. We just released Gitmo detainees to Saudi Arabia. I just, it logically, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, what, what, uh, what, sorry, what doesn't make sense to you? I'm, I'm that, that the media is, because we understand why they're focused on Russia, right? So you're wondering why they don't talk more about Saudi Arabia. I mean, the Gitmo detainees is the Obama administration doing what they've, said all along they're going to do and this is just obama legacy hunting in the very last days of his presidency mm-hmm. uh with the saudis yeah i mean the saudi is the is the is the heartland of jihad i mean the saudis have been exporting jihad for a long time but we need the saudis as a counterbalance against the iranians especially now that a nuclear iran is more likely uh we also still despite the fact that we've made a lot of strides in energy uh, need Saudi a Saudi hand in stabilizing the oil markets, um, and they are an effective counterterrorism partner when they want to be. But uh, Stacey, you're asking very good but very big questions, and unfortunately, I'm running into a hard break here. Um, but do please uh, con- continue to raise these issues and call back, and we'll talk more about it. Team Hour Three coming up. I'll be right back. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. 